Hello and welcome to another episode with Underground Ramblings. Today we're talking to Dominika Wroblewska, who is an artist and a caver. I'm Gwen and with me is Nadia. Today we're talking about Dominika's journey from her first experiences caving as a child to returning caving as an adult. Dominika did a Master's of Illustration at Manchester and rediscovered the caving scene through art and the people she met. We also discussed some of her different art projects, including the Cave Starter Pack, a book she wrote and illustrated, and she shares some of that with us. And we're also talking about the Cave Sounds project she did with Phil Wollstenholme, where they recorded cave sounds and created tracks together. We do apologize for the sound quality, but we hope you enjoy the interesting experience Dominica shares with us. Thank you for joining us today, Dominica. We're really excited to speak with you. I think we'll just start out with a really basic question. And uh, if you could maybe talk a bit about your introduction to caving um, and tell us a bit about how those experiences then led to you going back into caving later on in life. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for having me. Very nice to be here. How, how the whole caving thing started for me was... Well, my mom used to be into climbing and all that kind of uh, stuff. And she'd always bring me places with her. And some of her friends were really interested in caving. Yeah, there, there have been a few trips where she'd bring me with her um, and we'd go caving uh, in the south of Poland or, or in Slovakia or, or somewhere around that area where there's a lot of um, limestone. And yeah, so... so I was, I, I don't know how old I was, probably around four or something when, when I kind of went into, into my first cave, I suppose. That kind of continued for a while uh, when I was a kid, because then I would go into summer camps, uh, which all sort of included climbing and caving and all that kind of stuff. But all that uh, sort of happens, like I said, in the south of Poland, but I'm from the north. Uh, we don't have any caves. It's just uh, you know we've got the sea, but we don't really have much rock anywhere to be found. And um, so when I kind of grew out of going into into summer camps, the the caving also stopped because you know I didn't really have much access. It's far, far away. You know, go go across the whole country. It takes it takes a while. Um, so yeah, so that kind of kind of ceased uh, for a while. But the, the sort of the interest always always kind of stayed with me, the, the sort of the curiosity, what is, you know, if I see a hole in a rock, I'm just kind of always consciously on the lookout for, for holes in rocks so that I can uh, go in and find out what's there. And yeah, and I, didn't, I suppose I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I didn't really kind of question it, like, why am I doing this? It's weird. It's always kind of been there. Yeah, so that's kind of, you know the first kind of steps into caving and then like millions of years of hiatus and then um well I started doing my master's here in Manchester so I did it in um, illustration and that's when this kind of not curiosity but that's when when that topic got kind of restarted again. Can you tell us maybe what inspired you to start thinking about caving when you were doing your master's? Um, yeah, so uh, I was uh, sort of exploring this idea of, 
you know, sometimes there are these certain places, and I'm not talking necessarily about places that you've been to before, but there are these certain places that, like, once you step into a place, you kind of immediately feel like something clicks and everything feels, like, familiar, and it's just this kind of strange feeling of familiarity. And I was kind of, you know, trying to, I was just interested in that, in that kind of uh, notion. And um, so I was exploring, well, exploring, thinking about sort of what these places could be or are for me. And then this memory uh, came, came into my head, which was probably, I would say, like one of the first memories that I have. And it, it is a, a memory from inside of a cave when I was a kid probably I would say maybe four years old or something like that and that memory and then realized that oh yeah I, I know this memory it just keeps resurfacing and it keeps like popping into my head every now and then throughout my life and um and I just kind of always thought you know with like warmth about this this kind of feeling and the memory of that place and kind of oh nice and whatever and then move on forget and then here it goes again. Oh, nice. And then forget. Um, and then so I, I, I reminded, reminded myself of it again during the beginning of my master's. And I thought, oh, actually, it's strange because I always have this, this, this memory and, then, and, and I never really do anything about it. So I decided that, oh, maybe this is finally the time to like explore this memory. Like, why does it keep popping up and, and you know, and just do something about it, I thought. So, uh, so that, yeah, that was kind of the, the driving force for the entire kind of getting back into, into caving and sort of questioning all sorts of things around, around them. That's really, yeah, it's really interesting. I never really think about, you know, how I process my memories and things. So it's nice that you actually recognize that this is something that was resurfacing and wanted to explore further. Yeah. I'm guessing when you thought about this, when you were doing your master's, you'd never been caving in the UK before. So how did you go about starting to cave in the UK? um, So I would definitely say that I've had pretty much like zero knowledge about caves in the UK. I I didn't even know that there were caves around here. So (laughs) it turns out there's loads. How I went about, you know, actively getting back into it was... It was quite random, really, because at the beginning, the, the, that project was quite sort of selfish in a way, because, you know, all based on my memory and kind of my sort of feelings towards caves and what caves are for me and all that kind of stuff. But then later on, it, it was quite like a, a weird set of events that happened. Uh, so one day, like all the lights in my house went out. We had some problem with the, the electricity. And uh, so for a few days, we've been walking around with pet torches in our heads around the house. Uh, and then one day, the landlord uh, came in to, to fix it. And I was sitting in my room, I think I was in my pajamas or something, reading some article about caves. Uh, and this guy comes in and he's like, oh, what are you reading? So, you know, I'm thinking about caves, you know, it's my master's, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh. You know, I used to be a potholer back in the 60s uh, when I was like 16 or 17 or something like that. Blah, blah, blah. We started talking. Uh, and of course, I had to ask him, you know, what, what was his favorite cave? And 
<laughs> immediately he like took some post-it note from my desk and drew me a map how to find giant's hole <laughs> and that was like the beginning of the oh okay so these are the caves there are you know they have different names okay cool and just kind of how i learned about that cave i decided to you know like create loads of obstacles for myself so i decided to sort of try find as much information as possible about the giant hole without really using the internet or anything so just through the sort of like analog way and looking into archives and all that kind of stuff finding some like old magazine clippings of expeditions and all that kind of stuff yeah after after a while when i gathered enough enough sort of information i, I decided okay it's time to go it was in uh, December. I, I camped in uh, in Edale. It was like minus five at night with tents, like completely covered with ice. The next morning was great. <laughs> um, and then yes, yeah, went over the, the the hills to Giants, recording some sounds and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I stumbled upon a group of people, and they were doing some kind of project for the university, some kind of training. And I was like really shocked <laughs> because like I wasn't expecting anybody to be there. I was like, oh, well, it's a cave, you know, I'm underground. I'm definitely here by myself. There's no, no way there's going to be somebody else here. And suddenly there's a massive group of people. <laughs> oh, okay, that's weird. And that was like when it clicked. I was like, oh, so there are other people who are insane, as good as, you know, and are interested in this weird environment and just, so that was really like the beginning of starting to look into the community and trying to find out where all these people are and like who are they and why why are they into this thing. So from from, from that point, I kind of managed then to sort of get steered towards the the TSG, so the caving club in uh, Castleton. Joining that club, yeah, was probably the best the best way really to you know learn about caves through you know going into them and getting access and support from the people and learning about the community which again is like another kind of hidden thing that you discover because you have no idea that there are there is such a thing as the caving community and caving huts and everything and it's just really exciting when you find all these things and and you know learn about all these new things I think it's really brave of you to just decide I'm going to go caving by myself. But this sort of discovery of the caving scene is quite interesting. I wanted to ask why you chose when you were doing your research not to look on the internet and do it just through what you could find hard copies of or whatever. I, I'm just always interested in, in sort of introducing a, a sort of adventure element into stuff. So that was like, and I like obstacles, so that was like sometimes you know when you like give yourself some sort of constraints, you end up actually finding things that you know you wouldn't expect you would find because you kind of look at things from a different perspective or, or something like that. Yeah, doing it all kind of through the analog way, I think it was just really appropriate for the project, I thought, and you know, it's kind of like this really active research as well so you're not only kind of reading about stuff reading about caves or other people's sort of experiences with them it's 
you know it's important that you yourself experience it as well because you know that's like the only really true way of coming close to the understanding of your topic I think and this discovery of like the cave and community that changed your masters am I right yeah it, it definitely changed the, the sort of the direction where of you know where the project was going or you know it's just kind of helped it evolve I suppose uh, because stuff that I started doing from from that point on changed because I wanted really to learn about the people and kind of understand why certain people are so drawn to caves and why like what do they find you know interesting about them and all that kind of stuff so I mean I, I am an illustrator and I really like drawing especially kind of drawing while being in the situation so, so kind of like reportage illustration and I thought you know that would be a great way of sort of documenting things uh you know what people are doing really kind of study it uh from up close while also participating in those things so part of the the, the research was actually drawing itself while you know participating in the things and also you know keeping like a journal so that you can track back like everything that happened and kind of, you know, all the information that was gathered. There was a lot of new things that, you know, I didn't know about and all these, keeping all these things like drawing and, and journal together, that was definitely like really helpful thing in learning. So like, and especially I would say drawing, it just kind of makes you remember things way better. <laughs> I don't know, at least it does for me, so... Yeah, I, I was just kind of really into drawing everything that was happening. I've seen some of your uh, illustrations and they're amazing. And um, I checked out your website and yeah, really impressive stuff there. I recommend people go check that out. You were asking why people are caving. Did you come up with any conclusions or...? Yeah, I mean, so the, the, the reasons why are, you know, millions. There, there are, you know, how, however many people there are, there are this many reasons, I would say. Well, at least from what I've kind of learned, which is, you know, it makes sense, I suppose. You know, everybody has a different, a different reason, a different background. But I would say that there are like the, the main kind of topics, the, the main reasons uh, would probably be, you know, definitely the, the sort of the human curiosity. Uh, people are really curious people. <laughs> um, the the sort of the sport, and so people want to you know keep it and sort of the community. So you know the friends are there and they can socialize and everybody's you know supportive of each other. It's a very kind of supportive community, especially when you go underground and sort of you know there's like no competition involved. It's just you know fun and challenge and all that kind of mixed together. I would say these are like the main points. Yeah, that sounds pretty, <laughs> pretty uh, similar to what I'm familiar with. We also wanted to talk about another project of yours, which is an amazing self-published interactive book called The Cave Starter Pack. Mm -hmm. um, can you describe the book for us and tell us what you hope to achieve with it? The Cave Starter Pack, it was a way of, outputting all that gathered information throughout throughout my project which kind of had a combination of, of all sorts of things it's like a bit of a mix but 
the general idea was to reflect all that I've been learning and, and kind of reflect that process of learning about caves, kind of pretty much from almost zero, I'd say. And so, somehow present that chronologically, almost almost in a way. So um, the, the, the simplest way to, to say it is just an introduction to caves and the fact that there is this caving community that exists and people are crazy and amazing. So it's kind of, it, it starts with like the very basics. So what is speleology? What are caves? How do they form? You know, the, and then the discovery of the people and what do they do within the communities? It's kind of quite a, a bit of a sort of celebration of the human creativity as well, I would say, because I, I, I was really amazed by <laughs> the fact that, you know, people go digging and then they come up with all these different inventions of like how to overcome these different obstacles. And it's all sort of like, you know, oh yeah, let's cut this plastic chemical container and use it as a drag tray or, you know, all these kind of like crazy inventions that people come up with. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it has quite a close, takes quite a close look at the, the sort of people, what they do. It kind of takes you on the journey of like, okay, so now you descend underground and then these are the things that you might see or feel or whatever. And it just kind of goes through this, this, this sort of journey and, and yeah, guides you through that. Let's say like a, a day in caving. It's a bit more than a book though, I think, because it's quite interactive, isn't it? Can you maybe tell us how it's interactive? Yes, the main reason why I wanted to make it interactive was, you know, I, I wanted somehow like the aesthetics of, of the book to, to um, reflect the aesthetics of the underground and how, you know, so you descend underground and then there's darkness. So then all the pages are black, you know, or, uh, you know, there are things that are hidden that you, you know, obviously reveal because you descend down into some hole and then this new world suddenly gets revealed before your eyes and so all that kind of stuff I try to portray in the book so there are a lot of elements that you can pull out and discover what's written underneath it or you know pull something out and the image will change or there is a page with talks about the fact that you know there are rocks lots of rocks everywhere and the page has uh, rocks stuck in between the pages where you can shake the book and the rocks are flowing around and um, kind of obstructing the text but you know it's fine and yeah so like lots of sort of holes in the in the in the pages and all that kind of stuff so it kind of portray that you know caving is a lot of fun you almost like become a child in a way because it's like a massive playground but for grown-ups it's great <laughs> That is my first memory of being in a cave, feeling like a child again in a playground. <laughs> so do you want to share a few parts of your book with us? Yeah, sure. So this, this part talks about speleology. Without people, there would not be knowledge of science. Time would pass, the natural world would keep on existing, and it would not seek answers. All sciences would unravel, unnoticed and with no one to question them. Science is defined by us, and therefore that's what it becomes. Caves became caves, 
because we went down them, we needed to know. An ancient cave, previously not looked at through the prism of science, becomes new. Conversations arise, those conversations are fueled by questions. The more we discover, the more complexity we see, and the more vocabulary is needed. A new vocabulary is slowly introduced. Science is born from curiosity, which goes in pair with imagination. If the origin of science is us, and us wanting to know science comes from our curiosity, supported by our imagination, then science is of a poetic background. The art of science. Yeah, so like I said, the book follows the discovery of caves, what are they, and then you descend into a cave. There's a mix of normal verse, I suppose, and also kind of poetry in a way. So this is just before uh, you enter the cave. They stand before the hole. The hole stares at them with its secrets. Time pauses outside of the entrance into the rock. The threshold is crossed and time as they know it is left behind. Deep into the cave, away from the entrance, perpetual darkness reigns. Your eyes, no matter how wide you open them or how long you gape, they will never adjust to that darkness. You sit in a space with tons upon tons of rocks uh, resting above your head, below your feet, and in fact, all around you. Uh, you are encased, you are in the earth, and you are in a different world, a parallel world. The more you listen, the more you hear. Water is dripping from a ceiling in the distance, and you wave your hand in front of your face. Still no vision. You briefly think about life happening above, and you're a secretive position relating to it. You feel out of time. In fact, you didn't bring a watch. What time is it? Oh, that's amazing. Thanks so much. You have a YouTube video uh, where you go through the entire book. Yes. So if people want to check that out, we'll share that link. Yeah, that would be great. Because the uh, thing with this book is that it kind of gets people curious about caves. Um, you know, using art, I think it's like a, a good way of doing it, I suppose. Especially, you know, the format of it is quite a curious thing in itself. Well, that and also sort of the invitation, yeah, maybe encourage people who already are caving and know caves to sort of look at them through a different perspective. As cavers, we can relate to a lot of what you're saying in, in this book and with your illustrations, but how have non-cavers reacted to your artworks? I mean, I've shown this this project in, in kind of in a couple of uh, different places, different sort of exhibitions. I think that the first first thing about this is is like how can you actually sort of draw people in and kind of encourage them to actually come and see this stuff. I was trying to think of ways because if you just have say a book or if you just have images, people just go by and look at them and kind of, are, oh yeah, that's nice and then yeah, okay, whatever. But I thought you know if a, a sort of a part of of the projects is also interactive then maybe people can get a bit more drawn into it uh, so I did come up with 
this kind of task that people can take part in while the, the work is shown in, in places. Well, there is a seat and uh, there are some headphones and there is this blindfold and people can sit at the desk, blindfolded, listen to the, 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 the Cave Sounds uh, album uh, that I collaborated on and basically respond to the sounds with some a, a piece of uh, charcoal just respond to the sounds they don't know the title of the track or anything they can't see anything and they're just meant to kind of you know like let loose and and respond to whatever they can hear and that seemed to be like a really great way to sort of like make people engaged with the project and sort of start conversations and then kind of make them more interested in the in the sort of visual part of it and I think that the, the response has been quite good in terms of not everybody wants to go underground because they're scared they have different ideas of what you know what a dangerous space could be and whatever so you know the, most of the responses were it's, it's, it's great to actually be able to at least a little bit experience it without having to go through the you know the pain and suffering of freezing through tight places and you know all that kind of stuff so but i think in this case it's really important to have like a something that can sort of stimulate more senses rather than just visual you need the kind of the sound the sense of being in the place so you've mentioned the cave sounds project um a couple of times can you tell us a bit more about that and um you know how you went about recording these sounds yeah so um i mean it, i was kind of quite interested in 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 that aspect from the very beginning but then it kind of I put it on hold. But then, yeah, so I collaborated on this this album with Phil from the TSG as well, because we were both interested in, in kind of in cave sound and the, the sort of idea of sort of playing around with, with these sounds. Uh, but where it all started, I think it was in Peak Cavern. Uh, we were walking down like the main the main passage. There are a lot of rocks there and they're quite massive rocks but they kind of quite easy easily get knocked over but because the passage is really long the echo is insane and so these echoing rocks are rocking down that passage and then suddenly like somebody kicked, kicked that massive rock or whatever and and just it was just such an insane sound and, and we went oh we should make an album <laughs> yeah so so that's kind of how it started so the the album it's kind of like a compilation of all the different sound qualities you might hear in a cave. So it's divided into tracks and it's kind of follows this, in a way, some kind of narrative of, you know, you go in the cave and you hear the water flowing and then drips and then the echoing rocks and, uh, you know, the distortion of the human voice as well and, and all that kind of stuff, the mud, <laughs> the mud. <laughs> And yeah, so so the sounds have been sort of recorded, all these different sounds, recorded them in different caves, and then, you know, just sort of put them together. The arrangement of these tracks is quite musical in a way. There is a, some kind of rhythm in there. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how how it ended up being. So yeah. I haven't actually listened to it yet, but I'll have to I'll have to buy it and listen to it because it, it sounds really good. Yeah, maybe you can play it at the end, like some 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the wallowing water actually is quite nice. It was, uh, yeah, the, the wallows in, in, in the peak cavern. When it hits oh. the wall and it goes, amazing sound. <laughs> it's so good. I've never been on a, a trip where I've had to carry sound equipment, but I've been on a lot of photography trips. And I know that it's logistically challenging. Did you have any problems with carrying all the equipment in and setting it up and making sure that you had a clear sound? Yeah. And how did you find it? Yeah, that was, uh, it was quite quite challenging. That part was pretty difficult, really, because uh, first of all, all the equipment was borrowed from my uni, so I, I couldn't really get it like super dirty or like wrecked. And I really had to be like super careful with it. So that was, that was quite, hard and uh yeah just you know recording different things well depend yeah depends what what it was that we were recording but specifically recording mud or or water you know when standing sort of knee deep or or uh, waist deep in water trying to kind of hold all these cables so that they don't you know it was quite it was quite difficult and and the mud trying not to get the mud splatter all over your stuff and trying to actually use the the devices and you know everything is covered in mud and like uh, it was yeah it was really difficult <laughs> super stressful <laughs> yeah I can't imagine and then you you move and then you bring the sound <laughs> it must yeah. have taken a lot of time and effort yeah, the moving and the, I remember when we were, we were recording the, the mud track and uh, we had uh, some other people with us, but they kind of like stayed behind uh, as we were recording this particular passage. But they were kind of like really quietly talking, but because it's in the cave and the, the, the sound really carries, the mic picked everything up and like basically millions of hours of trying to like record this amazing mud sounds and it was just ruined because there was this continuous in the background it's just really yeah it's just not not very uh yeah it was pretty hard <laughs> are you sure the people were talking or was it the uh cave ghost oh yeah <laughs> sitting know. at the top of the pitch like listening for someone and they're always there but they never come <laughs> yeah i mean that's a good point because there are like in caves you do tend to hear sounds that aren't even there because of the I suppose the white noise in the in the flowing water and all that. I always hear, like I always imagine when when I close my eyes or switch off the light, and I hear the uh, the the water flowing in the background. I always think that I can hear like children playing on the playground, and like people shouting and that kind of stuff. It's like really freaky. <laughs> I always hear really massive waterfalls, and then I turn the corner, and it's a tiny trickle of water. <laughs> Yeah, cave, the sound in a cave is pretty bizarre sometimes. Yeah. It's hard to describe. So I think this album is a really good idea to show, you know, non-cavers what, what they're yeah, missing out exactly. on. <laughs> um, what I really like about your art is that you draw things that are completely normal, everyday things. So I was once uh, at Bullpot Farm with you and I turned around and you were just drawing people sitting around at the farm chatting, which I, I really, really liked because it's such a big part of caving, you know, just the community of sitting around a fire in the evening. Um, so I wanted to ask you, why do you think it's important to make a recording of these sorts of events and, you know, the caving lifestyle in general? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's like you said, the kind of 
quite the, the sort of quite mundane parts, uh, the kind of quite obvious parts. I find them mm, really interesting. Just kind of you know studying people within the situation and what they're doing and kind of recording it so that is there. It's been portrayed and now it's there forever. You know why do it through through art? Why is it important to, to do it through art? I, I think especially in, in in caving photography is like a really big thing, which is great. Like cave, cave photography is you know absolutely amazing, and people who actually do like carry down all this equipment and uh, and then you know spend spend ages kind of creating a scene and positioning people around and the lights and all that. It's 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 amazing what you can achieve. But yeah, doing it through through sort of drawing. I think it's just a different, you know, it shows you slightly different things about, you know, the topic itself, about the community, because in a way with a drawing, you can, you know, it's not about sort of getting everything like absolutely spot on and, and you know, uh, realistic or anything like that. It's more about sort of portraying what it is like to be in this situation and you know, we can note down people's conversations, little snippets, like little interesting things that you've overheard. And and it's it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're portraying not just like one moment in time, it's multiple, multiple moments in time kind of all combined into one image. I think it's just a, a yeah, just a different way of documenting things, but a kind of an interesting way. And also, <laughs> you know, it can, it can also tell a lot like when you look at the drawing you can sort of tell what was the situation when when the drawing uh, happens so say if you're drawing inside indoors but a lot of time you're comfortable you're warm there's a lot of detail in the drawing while you know say if you draw outside and it's raining and it's windy suddenly the drawing just becomes completely different because you know you are after all a person who is creating that drawing and you are affected by the elements, you are cold, uh, the water is splashing your ink around and, you know, you have to be fast. So so it tells you a lot about, you know, what situation and same underground, you know, even more so because, you know, there, there, there isn't time really to spend much kind of getting into the details of it. So it's more about the really looking at what is important, what you find important in the scene and kind of really quickly sort of, you know, uh, sketching it down and, you know, and, and just kind of doing it in weird situations like laying face down in the mud or suspended on the rope. And it's just such crazy cool situations in which you can draw. <laughs> and it's almost like pushing the drawing into into the, the realm of drawing being a sport in a way. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I find it quite, yeah, quite interesting what you can do and and the fact that you know if it is in a cave suddenly the the materials you use they they kind of have to change to, from from the normal materials that you use overground because you know mud humidity you're crawling there's water it has to be waterproof you have to kind of you know rearrange things and change things around and, and try to see what is appropriate to use in a cave and so to add on to that what inspires you to get your sketchbook out underground or you know in a caving hut is it like a particular like feature or feelings what are you trying to capture i'm interested in 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 people within cave spaces 
especially because you know once you remove a person from there suddenly there's kind of no reference and you don't know what you're looking at and it can become quite 2d it could be might as well be like something really small or really massive the scale is just completely lost if you place a person in in that environment i think it's really interesting and just looking at people interacting with the the cave spaces i find it really interesting so when it comes to like drawing underground i mostly nowadays use diving slates which i find is the best surface ever to, to draw on because you can use a pencil or whatever you like and it's extremely waterproof you can make it small and handy and all that yeah it's just whenever really there is a moment of a little bit of stillness when i think i might have time like 30 seconds maybe to like yeah, then that those are mostly the times because otherwise there is just like it's impossible but yeah so those are mostly the times. But overground, I think, again, if there is quite a lot of time to be spent on the drawing, I really like it. And then you're still, but then stuff is moving around you, that's fine. Because you can kind of pick and drop whatever movement you want, whenever you want, and then you can kind of keep adding things. So I think I'm quite interested in that sort of portrayal of the time passing within one image, maybe. Uh, but also people's conversations. If somebody says something like really weird or funny, I love it. I just write it down and then kind of maybe add the image to that after after I've heard the quote or uh, something like that. You probably hear a lot of funny things uh, when you're <laughs> staying at Bullpot Farm or other caving hunts. There's some good classics. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about your art Dominica but outside of creating art what draws you to caving and keeps you underground yeah so I would say a lot of a lot of things for sure definitely one big thing would be the the sort of the curiosity the the fact that there was this entire world just down there that pretty undiscovered I suppose or it's only available to people who are willing to go down there and see it so it's that's like the the sort of the exciting bit is that you know you can choose to go there and discover it all but not everybody sees it in a way that's kind of quite exciting um but also i would say we, uh, probably because of that sort of early exposure to caves it, i always had this like really warm feeling towards caves and sort of like shelter and sort of very yeah safe space which is probably weird but it's just always kind of felt like that oh yeah also and, you know the, the the playground that we were talking about that is a, a playground for grown-ups which is you know the best thing ever <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the only excuses to roll around in mud. <laughs> it's also one of the only times that I just forget about work completely. Exactly, yeah. It's just the sort of, you know, you're just so concentrated on what you're doing and where to put your foot, how to, like, grip this, that, that, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And you're just, like, completely, you know, like, devoured by, by the cave. <laughs> and, yeah, you just forget about worries your other worries and things and when you come out of the cave you just feel like you've been reborn <laughs> but sometimes 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely familiar with the reborn. <laughs> Literally and kind of metaphorically, yeah. So do you have any parting advice for cavers or other artists? Maybe not as much as advice, but maybe like uh, encouragements to sort of, you know, always keep your eyes open and stay curious about things that surround you. Well, thank you so much, Dominika, for um, coming on and sharing your perspective with us. Um, we really enjoyed chatting with you and we'll link your um, details and projects in, in the podcast for people who are interested can check out. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. And uh, also, if you know anybody out there is interested in the collaboration, please let's collaborate. Thank you to our guest, Dominika, for a really interesting podcast. We really enjoyed speaking to her and learning about her art and her caving life. We have links to Dominika's projects on our website, including a link to her own website where she sells her art. I hope you enjoyed the episode.